Life Audio. Hi, I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Girl Club. We'll be right with you after these messages. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Good morning, everybody. Hello, all around the world, wherever you're joining us from. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. Um, boy, you know, I'm torn. I'm torn between diving straight in or wasting time going through a lot of business that I need to go through. Um, I'll get the business done quickly this morning. You know where you are. This is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while seeking to apply, teach, and walk in real faith. I think one of the most beautiful things that we do here is share transparently out of the abundance of things that we're going through. But in that abundance of things that we're going through, we're always learning and God's always teaching. And so as you like us, subscribe and share I just want to remind you guys that there is something for everyone here at Girl Club. We welcome guys too. It's just that it's a woman's point of view here, even on men. Um, So we've got a lot to say. And joining me today are two of my Girl Club tribe, my sisters in Christ, both incredible teachers, evangelists. uh, And Nova is an incredible singer-songwriter. You guys know them. For those of you who are regular, Nova Page and Christina Boudreaux. And just to give you the quick download, happy holidays, you guys. <laughs> That's for those of you, for those of you joining us on live stream, uh, we are live today and we are all in studio together. Uh, keep Christina Reynolds in your prayers. She's just lost her mother-in-law, so she's out dealing with some personal family stuff. And for those of you listening on podcast, you're just missing our beautiful faces. 
but you're not missing much else because we're going to we're going to share and you're going to listen. And uh, you are missing out on being able to write in live and say how happy you are to be with us this week or to send in your questions. So um, as people are joining from around the world. Hello. Hi, Donna. And hi, power of a virtuous woman. Yes, it's been a while and I'm glad you could be here. Hi, Adrian. Everyone as well. Hi, Michelle. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Or one year I heard it put, Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Talk about the ingeniousness of finding a political correct, politically correct way to say happy birthday, Jesus, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, Nova and Christina and I were, were yakking before we started. And, you know, it's interesting. Um I woke up and the Holy Spirit was really dropping a lot in my spirit about just kind of the place where so many people are today. You know, um, it's a season where a lot is going on in the church and it's a season where a lot's going on in our personal lives as well. And I realized that, you know, when we get together, we're here to make a deposit in each other's lives. And the reality is that people are in pain you know, people are in fear, people are in anger, people are in confusion, people are in doubt. They're in everything but Christ, mostly. And it even, that reality even catches us, I think, in the church, is that sometimes we forget that our peace is in Christ. And as I was kind of asking the Lord about this, you know, he started reminding me that there is you know, there is pain, there is pain in this world. And the Bible does speak about pain. But what the Bible says about pain is interesting because it says in 2 Corinthians verses five and six, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. That kind of started me thinking, because I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean if, if, if we're not comfortable, it's so that you can be comfortable, or if we're distressed, it's for your salvation. Like, where are we going with this, God? And then the Lord said, well, your question is, and your question for those of you listening might be, what is God's purpose in your pain? And then I read an interesting note that said, you know, God expects you to use your pain to help others. So whatever mistake, whatever failure, whatever trouble, whatever trial or bad decision that you've experienced, God says, I'll still use it for good in your life. And I expect you to use it for good to help other people. And this is called redemptive suffering. And it's interesting, Nova, because you said something about the peace of God and I realize that it's only in realizing that our pain does have a purpose and that if we don't live for ourselves, but we live for Christ and we live loving others, then there is redemption even in our suffering. So in order to get to be there, then what do we expect to get? Well, what we should get is peace. And I thought that it was very interesting what you said, because it does play a really big thing into the peace of God, you know, the peace of God that gets us through the pain and the anger and the confusion and the doubt and the suffering and the transitions. You know, Christina's been going through a major life transition 
you know? Um, and I was thinking about, you know, whether you're moving homes, moving countries, or moving through a health challenge, you know, which Nova and I have both gone through. Christina, you've gone through this year in your own body. The peace of God is the most necessary thing that we need. You know, you, you said something off, off camera, Nova, that was so interesting. Like, how, Cynthia, how are you getting through it? But I definitely think that, you know, I ask that question a lot of myself, of the, of the Lord, and of other people like you, Nova. You know, how are you getting through it? And I think it's just, it's a gift. I, I think uh, if you can hear me still, that it's just the peace of God, you know? Um, and as Anna's saying in studio, the most valuable thing she can have is the peace of God. So I kind of want to turn it over to you, Nov, uh, to talk a little bit more about that insight that the Lord gave you. I can't hear anymore. Sorry, guys. I can't hear anything you're saying. So I'm just going to sit back for a moment. While Nova, while Nova fixes her mic, um, Boudreaux, how I just, I'm going to throw it to you right now because I really want to understand. I know you went through some real transition with this move to another country. And I'd love to hear you kind of walk us through this. I mean, you did a whole major life move <laughs> to serve the Lord and to live out your calling in the gospel. Yeah, so I'm currently in my new apartment in Chile, uh, which I'm super stoked about. I'm in this cute little beach town called Iquique. I'm by the water, which is awesome. So you guys probably hear waves. Maybe you don't. But, you know, I think that for me, I had a friend message me on Facebook and he was like, you know, me and my wife were talking about how really gnarly and kind of crazy it was that you like up and left like the United States and moved to like South America. And I think when I'm sure with you with you and Roger, Cynthia, that when you guys moved, even people moving from California to Nashville, right. Or California to Texas, like even moving from state to state is pretty big. And I think the thing that the Lord showed me um, a couple weeks ago, just during my move was he had me look up like the whole process that people go through when they transplant trees and when you transplant a very mature tree, right, a, a tree that has roots, a tree that is established, the process you have to go through to uproot that tree and then replant it in a new area is very extensive. And I think, and I, that's what I felt. I felt like, you know, transplanting my life, you know, like the tree of my life that was very intertwined, not just within are my community in California, but just my community in the U.S. It was my um, my friends, my church community. It was family. It was a culture, right? It was a language. When you transplant every part of your life, it's like, how do you transplant a pine tree and plant it in a jungle? Completely different. And that's how I felt because I had a couple week period where I was I had moved out of the little, little cute little cottage I lived in in um, Thousand Oaks, California. And for two weeks, I didn't have a place I called home. So I was like staying at friends' houses. We had conferences for church. I was like getting ready to move. 
I slept in like six different places during those two week period before I came here. And so by the time I got here, I felt like my roots didn't have like ground yet that even though I was here, I hadn't moved into my own place, but I saw how gracious the Lord was when I got here. We had like a big leaders conference for Calvary. Um, by the capital in Santiago is in a little cute beach town called Vina del Mar. And then when I got here, the Lord had already had an apartment for me. Um, I had spent time with friends that week, just like cleaning out the apartment, deep cleaning it, getting everything ready. We looked at cars. The Lord blessed me with the vehicle. Um, But it was like this process of putting one root down at a time, putting like packing in the soil and, you know, seeing where the local grocery places are, getting a gym membership, because those were all things of my life that I had back in California. Like the gym was a part of my life. Um, grocery stores, right? Trader Joe's a part of my life. Like my vehicle was a part of my life. Like all of these things that we take for granted, the Lord was so gracious that when I moved here the first couple weeks before I even started ministry, like last week is my first ministry week before I even started ministry, like before I began to bear fruit in my life, the Lord was first reminding me like, no, a tree has to first be planted and then it can bear fruit. Right. It first has to be the roots have to go deep before there could be leaves that can come and all that stuff. And so that's what I felt like it was. Cause I was used to like, you know, when you go on to, when I go on tour overseas, I go and I hit the ground running and I go hard for two weeks and then I go home. But coming here, the Lord was reminding me like, no, Christina, you're building a life. You're building rhythms. You're look, you're finding those local coffee places. Cause I'm not only living here, but I'm recharging here. I'm serving here. I'm going to be modeling here that the life I had in the U S I'm doing all of that, but just here now. And so it was a, you know, a transition. It was a process. Um, so many, cause I think for me, I didn't really hit me and I had texted you and Roger, Cynthia, you know, when I was, I think it was on my birthday day when I was there, I had been there for a few days and I had a couple weeks where people at home were saying goodbye, right? Like there was a lot of goodbye dinners, a lot of tears people shed. And for me, I think God gave me a grace. I didn't cry when I was moving. I didn't cry in front of people because I think I was so like, okay, I'm moving my life that God just gave me a grace. But I didn't realize how deep those goodbyes were until I got here. And I think when I got here, I was like, oh, like I had a moment with my friends after um because our leaders from church were here for our conference and as they were getting ready to leave after the conference that I just started crying and I was like why am I crying like why am I all of a sudden like but I wasn't sure if it was joyful I wasn't sure if it was like sadness but my friend looked at me and he was like you know Christina it's starting to get real now that you're not only here for a trip a ministry trip like that you're, it was a one-way flight. Like, and it was, it was a one-way flight. And so I think just when people are moving, you know, like, especially when families are moving and sometimes moving could be like someone loses a job and all of a sudden it's like a quick move their family has to make, or the Lord calls you when you go. Sometimes you're just so busy 
I don't want to say for me, it was someone because I didn't occupy my time with unnecessary things. I think I was so just like, okay, I got it. I'm packing my things. I'm like working out like my phone bill. What's that going to look like? I'm working out all of these things, trying to say goodbye to the people I want to say goodbye to. That you don't realize how deep those goodbyes are and you don't realize exactly what you're leaving behind until you move to your new place where you realize like, oh, like, like being overseas, like I can't just hop on a flight for four hours and go see my best friend in Miami. You know, I can't just like drive an hour to get coffee with my friend in Newport Beach. Like it is a completely different continent, you know, so it really, it took me, it took me, I probably like, I'm now been here almost a month. I probably took me like up until now to finally feel like settled in to where I'm at. And now I feel settled. Do do you, you know, it's interesting what you're saying. Just have a question actually for you, because I think it might be something everyone can relate to. And let me bring it out here to all of you. So as we're, as we're, as God sometimes asks us for our yes in life, right? Because I think life, when you really live for Christ, you understand that you're fully surrendered to his will, his word, and his way. And 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 you hear his voice, you know, he communicates with us and he leads us in different directions and guides us. And a lot of times I think, for those of us who are in that position, right? In ready mode for whatever the Lord's going to do, which is how we really need to live every day in a readiness and a preparedness. A lot of times what happens is God issues the call and we issue the yes or the no, but you know, right? Usually the call is to a yes. So we, we jump in and we say yes, but then we don't realize all of the layers of what we said yes to which is kind of what you're saying, right? Then all of a sudden it hits you all the layers of what you just said yes to. Do you think though, that in some way that it is God's protection in that he gives you a peace with a yes, but then he doesn't necessarily take you through the details in front of you until you're in them, because maybe we would have a harder time giving our yes. You know, if you'd thought through all this stuff, I can't get on a plane and go see my girlfriend. I can't, you know, so would you have said yes? You know, I often say to people that if the Lord told me all the things he was going to change about my life, when he really called me to total surrender, I think I would have run out the door screaming like, no, I have no idea what that looks like. I can't do that. I didn't understand that. But instead it was the yes first. And then he began the transformation so that I could live in the yes. Then he began giving me the peace or with the new circumstances and the changes that would come into my life and the new people and the new things. Then, then he gives you a new joy about a new season. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, and I've heard a lot of these stories of God transitioning people, You know, whether it's from state to state, job to job, school, wh- whatever it is. And I think what, to answer your question, Cynthia, I think God is so gracious that there's always these signs that happen ahead of time that he shows us kind of like the transplanting of a very mature tree. There's always these steps that God has ahead of time. For me, it was like started back even in May, 
of losing everything to mold. And I could tell you that when it was time to pack up my house and move, it was such an easy thing. So I just put stuff in bins and it was easy to go. I saw the Lord, like, for example, like where I live right now in Chile, there is um, all of these like signs that say like, you know, in case of a tsunami, right, go this way. There's like all these plans in place in case there's a tsunami. And because, and there's all these like warning, there's all these like, you know, technology things that show us like, okay, once you see these signs, you know, a a tsunami's coming. And I think God is so gracious that before every storm, before every transition, before every like thing, there's always these signs and we have to really listen and pause and take in those signs. And I remember in May of this year, I asked the Lord, Lord, are we moving? And he said, not yet. And I began to prepare myself in May so that when it was time and he said, go, like I was supposed to actually move in December, but I I had a trip to India planned uh, for after Thanksgiving and into like December, but because of everything happening with Israel in the Middle East, it was not going to be safe for me to travel. So we took that off the table. So when the Lord said, go, even that it was like the morning of, I literally read in Genesis where it literally said, Abraham packed up all his things. Right. Like, and he just, he went to a land God showed him. And the day I said yes to the Lord it was like, I came back, I talked to my landlord and my landlord was like, Christina, like we just met with the city today and we have to start tearing down our properties because not everything was built up to code. And they had just met with the city that day. Right. And so they were like, take your time moving out. They were like, you don't owe us anything. It was just a seamless thing. And I think that with people, for me, like, I think it was God the, the Lord just knows I just have had this mentality my whole life where I'm like, dude, I'm down. But even I'm the type of person where I'm like, yo, like I'm down. I will go. Like it wasn't until I got here that I was like, yo, I didn't understand like what you said, Cynthia, what all the yeses were until I got here. Yeah. And there's been this daily thing of having to really process like, OK, um, how to, you know, still connect with my friends over FaceTime, living a different continent in a way, how to recharge, right? How to have a daily walk with Christ, how to still enjoy life and not feel guilty that I'm on the mission field, but I'm not, I don't have to be doing ministry 24 seven to be a fruitful missionary, right? There's all these things that, like, and every time I go to the store, it's like, everything's in Spanish, you know, like, and just realizing that, like, I walked through like a, they have a store here called Leader. It's like a branch of Walmart. And I walked through with my friend and I was like, dude, they have Americans here. There's like a couple people with American accents. I was like, Hey, you know, because you feel, cause you don't realize in the U S that it doesn't matter what state you're from, what your color, your skin is as Americans, we have a culture. Yeah. There's an American culture. So like, even though I live here now, I still was like, man, like I wasn't prepared to like, (laughs) like to be living outside of the American culture. Like I live in a very surf skate kind of cute beach town, but there's still a different culture here within that that's outside of the U S even though they love the American culture, it's very different. And so 
I think with people that I think it's just honestly, God gives you a grace. He doesn't do it all at once. I think it hits you at different times. Yeah. I think it's hitting me at different times where I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have to process like, like, okay, like what's the best place to like, go get produce. What's the best place to like work out. But it's yeah. been layers where the Lord has been like, okay, Christina, we're going to get you a place. I'm going to show you how to fill up the water bottle behind me, you know, at what the number is to call to have them come to your house. They refill it. Like I didn't know how to work my stove. And by God's grace, my friends came and they're like, you got to turn this little gas knob with the lighter. And then you turn it back off, you know, like there's so many things that I feel like a child relearning things in a different country, but there's a grace for that, you know? And so yeah. That was a very long answer to your question, but the Lord has been very gracious with me for sure. Yeah. And he's gracious with all of us, you know, and, and that, that was, you know, I woke up thinking about just the different kinds of pain or turmoil that people are in. And even, you know, when we got home last night, it's interesting, you know, I left a situation where, so at the last minute, because Roger and I have been going through so much with doctors and stuff, and I ask all of you to please keep my husband in prayer. We have a really big and complicated surgery coming up, and he needs the miracles of Christ in the room and the angels all around him to just get him through safely and healthily. But we decided we needed to we we, we needed to come home for a couple of days to Nashville. And we had one of our spiritual sons, you know, uh, you, some of you know about my time in Kansas, what a beautiful, amazing Bible study and, and revival just blew up in our home and on campus at the university of Kansas, because my son was playing basketball there, rock chalk, Jayhawk, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, one of our spiritual sons was having his college Jersey retired and he lost his mom, you know, and his grandparents who raised him in the same, within like six months of each other, right when we got to Kansas. So we've had a bond, you know, to say the least ever since all through college and through his life, you know, five, six years in the NBA. Now he plays overseas. Now he has a wife and two children and, you know, he's knit into my heart, you know, this young man, I've watched him go through all this stuff. And so we're family. And so we, we jumped on a plane to go and be there for him for his special night before coming back home to the chaos that is my house in the middle of renovation. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So, but it is interesting because I was sitting there and my relationship to college basketball coaches and programs is interesting because where there's a lot of money, there's always injustices and there's been abuses of a lot of young people in my, I mean, I just, I've just seen it, you know, they're trading them like show ponies, these talented athletes at the collegiate level. There's so much money in college sports, so much money in college basketball. And the University of Kansas is sort of the, I mean, that's it. It's like the epitome, you know, one of the top three in, in, in the sport. But I was sitting there realizing how many people, not the citizens in the community, because the, the beautiful community of people in Lawrence, Kansas. But, you know, just some of the wives of those involved in the program. And it was really like sort of 
realizing that there was a disconnect that they had in actually caring about the kids. They cared about the kids in as much as they care about winning and their program and their husbands being successful. But there's a lack of compassion and an empathy and a wisdom. You know, there's no depth to the love that they have for these young people whose lives are now all a part of my life. You know, every kid that we were a part of through my son's college experience, well, and his high school experience, because it started way back when, um, is a part of our life because I see them the way God sees them. I love them the way God loves them. I want to guide them and mentor them. And it, and it makes me wonder, you know, about us as people. And so I just cried. I had one of those cries, like you talked about, Christina, for no reason, you know, where I just, and I've always had that on, on my life where sometimes I just cry because I realize I feel like sort of a stranger here on this earth because I feel, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that where you just feel different than everyone else. You feel like you have a weight of the world and the pain of the world and it grieves you, you know, and it's like this deep empathy where I just, I can't fix it all. And I wish I could. And I wish I could shake people until they wake up, you know, and understand like, that loving the way Jesus loves, you know, the way God loves is that's what we're here to do, you know? And, you know, Nova, you spoke about peace in all of it. And I think for me, my greatest struggle to have peace is really to have peace with the fact that there are bad people. There are people who don't care about other people that I encounter every day, that we all encounter every day. They don't love God, you know, they might say they do, but they're not really living it out. They're not invested in living it out, you know? So I'd love to, I don't know. I'd love to get some of your, your wisdom at this point, Nov. There she is. We're bringing Nova in studio because we need to hear some Nova wisdom. Hi. Uh, it's interesting, Cynthia. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm really, really trying to listen to you and to Christina and you, you mentioned something really interesting. You're like, they just, they don't love God. And I'm taken to Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus brings his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And we know that that's the place where, you know, um, all these people came, these pagan pagans came to worship Pan and all these gods. And it's, if we, you can look it up online, but Caesarea of Philippi is this place where it's this like big cavern and there used to be water that came out of it, I suppose. And then there's like these indentations and places where they would put up these like gods and people would go to worship. And right before he takes them there, there, a couple things have happened. Jesus feeds thousands, right? And John the Baptist gets beheaded. So imagine, okay, so you're all of these guys and you're with Jesus and you've just lost like, like John, he just got beheaded. Can you imagine? Okay. And now Jesus takes them and they're, they're, they're there. And I, I try to put myself in the moment and I'm thinking I'm with Jesus. There's all these people that would hate Jesus and his people, his guys, 
because they know these demons, they know he is the Christ, right? So he's walking in and the disciples are probably like, oh my goodness, like, you know what, John just got beheaded. What the heck are we doing here? This is like the gates of hell because all of this is going on. And Jesus brings them into the chaos, into idol worship. He brings his guys and, and he's with them. He's like, who do, who do people say that the son of man is? In his question, he's telling them who he actually is in the midst of all this demonic garbage. And, and then he said, well, who do you say, who do you say I am? And he's talking with Peter and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe a, I, I probably need to study further, but I, when he, when he declares you are the Christ, you are the Messiah in this dark, evil place. I mean, he, and then Jesus says to him, that didn't even come from you. That came from my father. That came from heaven. That didn't even come from you, Peter. That came from, you could only know that because God is like the father revealed that to you. And can you imagine the, he, and then he says, I'm going to bless you, Peter. I'm going to bless you. Cause you know, you know who I am and that came from the father. So don't even take it. Like, I know all this stuff about, I know I'm just like so smart. He's like, that came from the father, but you, you spoke that you, you said it and you were willing to speak it out in the midst of all this gnarly darkness. And I think we can take a piece out of that and go in the midst of this gnarly, dark, crazy world where there's demons on display, we can say, I worship and I serve the Messiah. And from that place, I have peace. And the peace comes from the knowing. And so I have confidence that he is who he said he is. And it doesn't matter who comes against me. I could be in the middle of hell, right? But I know who my father is. And so I think I, I take that and I go, that is, that is like, that's where the peace is. It's knowing who he is. It's declaring like Peter wasn't like, I, I think that you are me. He was very authoritative when he said it. And I think us just declaring and knowing and believing the father, when he says like, I am who I am. And we don't have to bow to all this idol worship. And, you know, I don't, I, I guess maybe that, you know, hit me because you, Peter says you were the Christ, the son of the living God. Like he is the same as he was there as he is today. And, yeah. you know, we, that's where our peace comes from. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, for me, it struck me that he brings them to the chaos and he says, well, I still am. I mean, I'm, I don't change. So. I love that. Nov. I love that. I love that. I love, I love that call back from despair. I love that because, you know, it's scripture, right? Jesus Christ is the same. Can you imagine how scary it could have been for those, the guys? Can you imagine how scary, like really that it was like, Oh, like that guy just got beheaded. Like, are we all going to like, are they going to take us out? Like, this is super scary. You could be in the flesh all day long with that. Right. 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 And that's, that's kind of why, you know, with what Roger and I are going through, it's kind of like, well, okay. Every day is a gift. Life is a gift. 
So we got to get up and receive the gift every day. And we have to trust that he, I mean, he can do all things, all things. I mean, he dissolved the clots. He can do all things. He's gotten him through six surgeries. Only God, only God. Now I really know it was only God, you know, and he reminded me of that as I was struggling with new surgeons to talk to and new teams of doctors. The Lord woke me up at like two, three o'clock in the morning over the Thanksgiving holiday. And he's like, and it was like, but just remember, I am the Lord, your God. I'm the one who delivers you. So there will be no credit given to man. There, there's only an acknowledgement that God must choose and bring the right surgeons, the right doctors, the right everything, right? But it's all God. And it's so amazing, you know, Nova, because what does scripture say? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you're right. The same Jesus that looked at the disciples in the midst of all of that chaos and said, um, okay, sure, they're cutting people's heads off. Oh, they're mutilating children. They're putting agendas in school that look like they're going to bring about pedophilia in our nation. Um, how about the next presidential election looks like the precursor to them, you know, uh, to, to the, the powers that be going to war so much that they basically eradicate we the people, you know, releasing plagues on us and, you know, all this like disease and all this stuff. Because like man is so crazy for power today. There's all this stuff going on, but Jesus is still saying the same thing to us. So who am I? Who do, and I think it's interesting, though, because when, when he says, who do they say that I am? It's almost like he's asking us, who do you say that I am? Am I still who you know that I told you I am right now in the middle of this problem? Well, it's interesting, Cindy, because he asks them, who do they say the son of man is or something like that? But he in, he answers the question. He answers it in the question. Like, in other words, I'm here. I'm declaring it, you know. And so I, 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 I also, I guess, found it interesting that after all of this stuff, there was the miracles, the feeding, and then John gets beheaded. He doesn't go, oh, guys, let me just take you to like a really nice Airbnb and we'll just sit and like, we'll just like, mm, you know. Right. He takes them to the to hell, basically. But he's like, I prevail. Right. And the gates of hell shall not, on this rock, Peter, this gate of hell, all where they're doing all this nonsense. Actually, this is what I'm going to build my church. Like, Peter, I'm calling you the rock. But like, this is this is how it gets built is because there's going to be some, we're going to go against the gate, the, against hell. So, and you know, anyway, there's not enough time to like unpack that whole thing, but I, so I just think it's so interesting that, you know, I think for me personally, I, I don't know how you guys all feel, but I really want safety. I want to feel good. I want to feel better. And this, it, it gets really, it feels really scary. And, and God's like, I didn't promise you like this really easy, perfect, like everybody's just going to sing Kumbaya by the fireside. Like that is not what this is, but I, you need to know who I am and what the plan is. And you need to trust me and trust the plan and um, don't live in fear because, you know, I've overcome all of this actually. Yeah. Amen. You know, and you can rest in that peace. You can have confidence. I think when we have confidence, really true confidence, that's where the peace comes. And we can't manufacture it and we can't fabricate it. We can't. Right, right, right. No, it's the John 16, 33. 
the state of mind that, you know, we're supposed to live in as overcomers. You know, and I was, I was speaking to someone this weekend and, you know, when Jesus tells us, you know, I'm an overcomer, when John writes, you know, he's, you know, he's overcome the world, right? Like, fear not, I've overcome the world. Okay. In this world, you will have tribulation, but fear not for I've overcome the world. So he is the overcomer, which means the only way that we overcome is to hold on to him. And in holding on to him, he's a good father. So he wants to give us peace while we hold on to him. He wants to increase our ability to trust. He wants us to trust he's a good father while we hold on to him. You know, it's like, I don't think he wants us to hold on to him and be terrified and in fear. He doesn't. And that's why, you know, I I often remind myself what fear really is. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Because everything in the world around us that we see, it appears very real. We can see it. Oftentimes we can touch it and taste it. Sometimes it's just in our mind. It's not even real, but the thoughts in our mind and the scenarios we can play out in our mind are so real to us that we then start making an idol out of the fear instead of an idol out of God, you know, instead of allowing God to be God, you know, and um, fear not, he's overcome the world, you know, and I love, I love that, that the Lord gave you such a perfect punctuation point, Nova, because really and truly that's where we all have to come back to, you know, just Fear not, he's overcome the world. And I I think it's interesting going into this season, the Christmas season, Christmas, you know, whatever, the birth of Christ season in which we celebrate that God sent his redemption plan to earth. And as we prepare all of us going into these next few weeks to celebrate, you know, what Christmas day is supposed to be symbolic of, I just think more than ever, As we look at our nations around us, we have to really remind ourselves, hey, this isn't about the gifts. It's not about the tree. It's about about the Savior. It's about the Savior that was given, the son that was born, you know, and the son that died for us. And if you don't know Christ, and it's it's interesting, I just feel really led to, to close here today. If you don't know Christ and you've stumbled upon this podcast or this live stream, then we'd like to extend an invitation to you to know the Savior that was given to you for your life and your circumstances and your pain and your anger and your doubt and your confusion and your suffering. In all of that, there is an overcomer that wants you to do one thing, accept him. Accept him. You don't have to know about him, even in this moment that you accept him, because you're going to learn. He's going to teach you. What you need to do is open your mind and your heart to accepting him. So I just would like to actually have all of us kind of pray this prayer for anyone listening who doesn't know Christ, who in this moment is making a choice. All you have to do is repeat after me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've had my failures. I'm suffering right now. There are things I don't understand even about why I'm suffering, but I know that I need a savior. And I ask you, Jesus, to teach me who you are. I ask you to come into my heart. 
I ask you to help me make you Lord of my life. I recommit for some of you, my life to you, Christ. For others of you, I commit this time for the first time, my life to you, Jesus. I believe that you die for my sin. I believe that you are the son given to the world, the savior given to man, and I need a savior. So come in and make your home with me. Send me people to teach me about you without confusion or compromise, but with holy boldness, let me come to know the risen Christ in the Bible, the unadulterated word of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. I forget sometimes that the ultimate thing we're here to do is to lead people to Christ. You know, every day on Girl Club, I think what we're doing in our sharing, in our teaching, is we're trying to strengthen you as disciples and encourage the leadership callings in your life. But it hit me, you know, that we're not to forget that we're here to lead people to Christ, to save souls. So from all of us here to all of you listening or watching, um, I'm Cynthia Garrett. And unless Nova or Christina has anything to add, we can peace out until next week. Love that, Donna recommitting life to Christ. I love that. We're just getting comments in studio and I love that. So as we say goodbye, everybody celebrate because it's all about recommitting your life to Christ or committing your life to Christ. See you next time. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.